It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. I'm in the business of pictures, I tell you. Consequence Podcast Network. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tolles, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. Keep the music flowing. We'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with. It's the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here, checking out the episode and the series. Please do hit that subscribe button. Uh, you do that, I'll give you three brand new interviews every single week. New and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones at all the usual spots, including iTunes and Apple Podcasts. It's Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcasts from. I'm Kyle Meredith today talking with actor Theo Rossi. Uh, Theo was uh, recently in the movie Emily in Paris, uh, co-starring opposite uh, Aubrey Plaza. And uh, we get to talk about sort of the runaway success that it's been enjoying. Uh, going from being, you know, sort of a, a sleeper indie hit at the theaters and then ending up on uh, Obama's favorite films of the years and then Netflix and, and suddenly becoming a worldwide thing. So we're going to be talking a lot about Emily the Criminal, why it's resonated with so many people. Uh, we're also going to discuss uh, some of the themes of the movie. Uh, what leads people to turn to crime when faced with insurmountable debt and hardship as seen in the film uh, and how acting pulled him away from his own criminal activity in his youth and of course working alongside uh, Aubrey uh, then Theo's going to go on to talk about his love of watching hours of classic commercials something that he and I have a lot in common with and being part of both the Star Wars and Marvel universes uh, he was uh, recently in Tales of the Jedi and of course uh, Luke Cage uh, before they canceled that after the second season so we're going to be doing all that and more. We're getting into Emily the Criminal. It's Kyle Meredith with Theo Rossi. Hey, Kyle. How are you? Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here. Uh, let me just first say congratulations on all the success you've been having lately. Of course, uh, it seems like it's it, you know it's full on with uh, Emily the Criminal and awards season yeah. right now. So congrats, yeah. man. Thanks, man. Even Fonzie approves in the back. I see the bobblehead kind of knocking up and down. So yeah, a little bit. The, he's thumbless. My uh, my kid broke his thumb when he was just a oh. toddler. So he took his thumb like Pope of Greenwich Village. What the, only, do you do? The, right, the only thing that you really need on the Fonz, and he's just got it's a little thumb. Note. 
Yeah, nothing else matters. There's no motorcycle <laughs> needed. You need the thumb. Um, no, it's been it's been wonderful. Um, uh, that that film is the film that keeps on giving. And I know Aubrey and Tyler and John Patton Ford, our amazing director. I love saying his full name. And Drew and everybody is just super excited. And uh, yeah, we'll see. We got the Spirit Awards coming up. Aubrey's been everywhere out doing her thing. And um, yeah, we're really happy about it. It's a great film. Yeah, it is a great film. Yeah. And it's, uh, and what, I mean, it, it, it's even got the story. I mean, um, I mean, heck, it, well, in the theaters, and then you get the bump from Netflix. It ends up on yeah. Obama's list of the best films. I mean, yeah. is that noticeable at the time when all that star st- stuff comes around like that? Well, it started off different because we got into Sundance, so we were so excited, right? We had gotten into Sundance, which is coming up, you know, again, so almost a year ago, and we were super excited. We were like, all right, this makes sense, right? You know, I had never been to Sundance because my whole thing is like, I, I I love everything between action and cut, everything else, you know, you can keep. So I, 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 I wouldn't ever go to Sundance if I didn't have a film there. So I was like, this is going to be great. So my, you know, my wife and I were going to go and it was, Aubrey was super excited and the whole team was excited. And then Sundance went virtual. So we were like, oh, okay. And like a week before, but our film came out being the highest rated film out of Sundance, not the most buzz, but the highest rated, like critically. So we were like, oh, that's cool. And then it kind of dipped for a little. We did some press, we did some whatever. And then it went into theaters and there was another thing there. A couple months later, it went up. But again, you know, independent films in theaters, you got to really, you know, hope. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of marketing because it's a very small film and we were trying to find our way. And theaters were still in flux of kind of what was going to happen. And then, you know, people were talking about it. The critics really liked it. And then a couple months goes by and then it goes on Netflix and then, you know, through the roof with Netflix. And then obviously Obama's list was amazing. And then Deadline put in, I think, top 10 films of the year and all this. And then the Independent Spirit Awards came out. We got four nominations. So it just kept going. And then honestly, the biggest thing was, you know, Aubrey White Lotus, the finale of White Lotus was the week it came out on Netflix. So it was like this double hit of Plaza everywhere. And it just put everything through the roof. And I think that that's why I have never been a part of a film that for a year, it seems like every week something else happens with the film. And you're like, wow, for a film that's not making hundreds of millions at the box office or doing whatever, it just seems to have this very long life. And I think it's a testament to what John uh, put together. The movie still has to stand on its own. I mean, you can, you can have all these things line up, of course, but something is resonating. In your yeah. opinion, what is it? Why is this movie resonating so much? I think the pendulum has swung one way, and I think it's always going to swing back to another way of, like, people just want something that's good. Like, they they don't care. You can tell people a million times, like, you can advertise through the roof. You can say this. You can kind of, you know, it, it, these things get put in your face of all this. But at the end of the day, is it a good film? Right. And the things that we if you look at films like I love, like, um, you know, we talked about this prior to recording was, you know, I'm an 80s and 90s kid, you know, 80s kid. And and these are films that I watched 30, 40 years later. And if you look at films like Thief with Jimmy Kahn, Michael Mann's first film or Straight Time with Dustin Hoffman, which are films that are similar to Emily um, you know, obviously the, the the bigger ones, the Goodfellas, the this, that, these are these are films that weren't made on huge budgets, but they're they're really good films. And it doesn't mean that everybody loves them. It just means that they're good films. You can't deny that it's a good film. I think Emily's a good film, right? And it's very 90 minutes. 
It's just two people and it's just constant movement. And I think that people love story at the end of the day. And I think it becomes timeless and almost becomes evergreen, not just for me, for a lot of people. We love going to, listen, I love going to Six Flags. I just can't go every day. You know what I mean? Uh, You you know what I mean? I got to live in reality sometimes. And I think that we enjoy and the films that last are kind of films like Emily. That's my thought. I'm probably wrong. I'm wrong about everything, but that's my thought. (laughs) And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky in the Midwest and allergies yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice. It affects my mood. It affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every. I've tried all the medicines. Some of them work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Theo Rossi. You know, it's interesting. A few of the movies you mentioned there, and I'll put Emily in this category, is there's there's desperation. And I think that's what I kept thinking about this throughout the movie. It's like, I mean, for one, we all face some sort of desperation, too. And maybe not, you know, these extremes, of course. But yeah. but the, the way that lines up, the way the... Uh, uh, me and my wife are watching it together. In fact, she's seen it two or three times now, I think. And uh, and we were talking about student loan debt. She has student loan debt, yeah. you know, and she's been out of college for a very long time now. And um, too, yeah, yeah, and 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 she says the only thing that's not as believable for her about this movie is that someone would try so hard to actually pay off that student loan debt. 
<laughs> yeah, I think I think again, I think what you just touched on is the truest point of this film and it's the truest point of all our favorite films is when we can put ourselves in the position of if it was us. What would I do? Like what would I do if I was in this position? What would I do if I was, you know, faced with this? And if we can do that just for a moment, just for a moment in any of our favorite films, right? That's for a moment, you know, from everything from Jaws to, to Goonies to Citizen Kane, if I had all that power, like, what would I do? And if you can remove yourself for a second and and transplant yourself into there, that is a winning film for you because you've put yourself in that position. Now, I think what's really interesting about Emily in that situation is we don't know what people are capable of. We see stuff all the time of what people would do. And sometimes it just takes a situation to reveal somebody's true persona. You know, I mean, we've seen this, right? If you're in any type of business or any type of relationship or, you know, when the chips are down, people show who they really are, right? So maybe there was something about Emily, this frustration of who she was that when she was confronted or introduced to a, you know, or seduced by a certain world, it revealed who she truly was. And that's the reverse for Yusuf, right? When he finally found an olive branch of like humanity, he realized who he truly was. So I think that role reversal, but I think really what your wife and you experienced and, and many others, because I had student loan, I didn't pay off my student loan until I got Sons of Anarchy in 2008. You know, I was a working actor for eight years and I couldn't pay off my student loan. There was just no way. It was insurmountable. But, you know, would I have gotten into credit card for it? Sure. If somebody presented it to me, if I could have paid off my debt, you know, I mean, you do what you got to do. But I think that our favorite type of films is that replacement of what would we do? And I think that this provides that to a lot of people who have been faced with any type of desperation or feeling up against it in a way. Well, especially, I mean, echoing what you're saying too, to see so many things stacked up against both of these characters that no matter what they try, you know, for whatever needs they have to go through, it just keeps getting you. And you know, that's real life. You know, that's, that's real the real life. story, you know, and that's, like I and no, like I can joke about it, you know, the you know, paying off debts or whatever. But uh, but you you know, what do you do when all that stuff? Of course, you would turn to that type of thing. Yeah, know? and the interest and everything's against you. The interest rates are through the roof, right? You're 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 literally you're. There's no way when you calculate it in your head that you go. There's no way I'm going to pay this off. It's impossible unless I hit the lotto, which is most likely rigged anyway. So I'm probably not going to hit the lotto either. <laughs> so it's like, what what am I going to do here to get this? And then if someone presents you with an opportunity that goes, well, here's a way you can pay it off in one month, and you go, one month, I wouldn't pay this off in a hundred years. Well, there's risk involved. Again, that's where people, you know, I've always said, and I've been around it, you know, I don't ever, I don't even want everyone to say, unfortunately, I've been around pretty much every single type of criminal activity my whole life. And I've never seen anybody who wants to do crime. They do it because there is no other option. There is no other opportunity. There's no other situation. So it's like, once you're presented with something and it's a quick fix, you know, human nature is survival. You've talked about that a little bit, you know, um, in your younger days, mm -hmm. ha having played a little bit on the darker side of things. What was it that brought you out then? Like, how, how did you get out of that? Opportunity. Opportunity for something else. But by full-blown accident. 
I had no discernible other skills. I, you know, I basically meandered my way through university, through college by paying people to do my papers while I hustled and made money. I was fully okay with living that life for the rest of my life because I didn't know any other way. So it was going to be one of two things, right? It was either going to be a type of, you know, physical job construction or, you know, uh, laying carpets like I did in high school and doing anything to do in that way. Or I can get a city job, right? Take a take a test and, you know, do that. But I was already a little late to the game because most of my friends were getting in that at 21, you know, taking the fireman's test, the sanitation test or the police test. And that was great too, because in your mind you go, well, I'll do my 20 years. I'll be out at 41. I'll have, you know, get out on, you know, I'll have my pension. I'll have, you know, health benefits the rest of my life. So there's a lot of benefits to that, but you've sacrificed a certain amount of years of your life. I didn't have any other skills, but it just so happened that my friend was at an acting class and it just so happened that I was there just to, to whatever. And it just so happened that I stuck around and it just so happened that someone came in to cast this independent film, still didn't know what I was doing. For the first few years of my career, I didn't know what I was doing. But once I realized I just happened to be at the right acting school, which was Lee Strasberg in, in Manhattan, 15th and 5th, and the Strasberg method, which is based on Stanislavski, which is based on Uta Hagen, which is replacement method of things you've been through. So as the great Bill Duke said, and I've said this before, acting isn't pretending, it's becoming. So if you can pull from your own life and you can have things, you have richer characters. So acting is, once I realized that, where I was like, wait a second. So anything that I've experienced, I can somehow use to my ability. Okay. Well, that that's cool. I have that. I have life experience. Now I just need technique. So that opportunity got me into that because I didn't really know how to do anything else. And I didn't have anybody else uh, telling me what to do. I was just kind of floating. And uh, I started acting late. I didn't really get my first full professional jobs till I was like 24. You know, so again, it's just opportunity. And that's why I always say there's so many people out there that aren't presented with opportunity. When you go back to Emily, Emily was presented with an opportunity. And Yusuf was presented with an opportunity. And they chose their uh, way they were going to live. One, it worked out. One, it didn't. <laughs> well, maybe it worked out. We don't know yet. Yeah, I mean, and, and with no spoilers, I mean, um, sure. as, I, as I usually say, if you if you don't see the body, then... Oh yeah, and we we filmed other stuff, so there there yeah that was that was uh, it was supposed to be different. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was supposed to be different. All right, go the old days with the uh, the DVD extras. The yeah, I love that. My favorite <laughs> stuff, right? When they, we were just talking about that, my wife and I when uh, watching the DVD commentaries where directors would talk and the actors would talk over it, and uh, you know you get so much insight. I mean, for young for a young actor. Back in the early 2000s, that was like my gold. That was like going to school for me. I would get these DVDs of films and I would just watch. Before I would watch the movie, I would watch the behind the scenes, you know, and I'd be like, oh, my God, did you hear what they said about this scene? Or they would show, I remember certain DVDs would show like the anatomy of a scene. It would show how an actor did it six or seven different ways. And I'd be like, wow, you can do that? So I learned more from uh, the bonus materials on DVD than I did in like any class ever. Yeah. No, the document, I, I, I will agree. The documentary on movie making on, on a specific movie or, or television show to me is usually as important as the piece itself. Hearts I'm of like Darkness. That with, what's, I, what's that? Heart of, Hearts of Darkness. Heart of Darkness. The, the uh, Apocalypse Now one, the documentary is mm -hmm. 
absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. I'm like that with music too, though. It's like, if I, if I have the album, which you know, I'm surrounded by over here, yeah. uh, I'm going to be reading the liner notes oh, the as much as the lyrics, as much as anything. You know, like, I don't know what, like we're nerds. I don't know, but yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, know I mean, what that is, but I, but I get it. I get I that. Love that. And then what was it? VH1 had behind the music or yeah. what was it? Yeah, they have behind like the, music. the band, uh, not the making of the band, or whatever it was when things went wrong. Right, and that was if you were on an episode of Behind the Music, things didn't go well for you at some point. Things it was never like well. what a great time they had. Yeah, you're like I didn't know Hall and Oates had so much trouble. You know, it was <laughs> you would learn these things and be like, oh, that's what happened to Warren, or that's what happened. You know, and you just fascinating. I mean, to me, the behind the scenes stuff, and and I'm one of these people that a long time ago decided to dive super deep into the history of Hollywood and kind of, you know, uh, all the behind the scenes stuff. And I was just having a talk with uh, one of my, uh, my best friends, I was eight and business partner about 10 minutes before our, our conversation now. And I was saying, I just had engulfed like five audiobooks in the month of December. It was like Paul Newman's uh, Nick Nolte's Betty Davis, uh, Quentin Tarantino, Cinema Speculation, and then I just finished Bernie Brillstein's book, right, uh, from Brillstein Management, who's no longer with us. And every one of them, it was, I could, they were all brilliant. Oh, Gene Wilder's too. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they were all brilliant. But here's the one thing that I noticed from all of them. Multiple divorces, some type of drug and alcohol problem, some type of something in their life suffered greatly, right? So while we celebrate the greatness we're not thinking about all the other stuff that went to shit. And that's what you get when you see the book. So while we, you know, especially in the culture, that's, you know, the way we associate it now, it's like, we look at all this stuff and like the great films and the great performances and the great this. And there's so many people that are just like suffering, you know, behind it in other things. And I've always been fascinated by that you know, the Van Gogh and cutting off the ear. It's like, you got the great art, but you don't got the ear. And it's like, oh. Humanizing the myth in a way. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, and also for people who watch it, knowing that, you know, it, it, it is, it's just a job, right? And it's these people that are suffering the same exact thing. So for me, I was really fortunate because I got to live and I still get to live, you know, a really great life outside of it and a real life. And I think that what I try to do with all my characters and with all my projects is humanize them. And I think that what happens a lot is that people who get, whether it be sports players, singers, it happens a lot with singers, right? Um, especially in big rock bands and, you know, movie stars is they get walled off and they don't experience life anymore. And you'll see as they're, as they get older, their performances are not the same. And it's because they're so walled off from reality and I think why Emily touches a lot of people is when they watch it is because it's real. It, it feels real, right? And it feels like people going through what everybody's going through. And for me, those are my favorite type of movies. I do love escapism sometimes, but I also love escapism that's kind of based in reality, you know, for my, like the Goonies. And we'll be right back right after this. Ah, uh, Spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about. 
in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime Secured Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FTIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with Theo Rossi. As we talk about it, too, your character in Emily such this natural charm oh, with that shyness on top of it. Yeah. How did you envision him? You know, I envisioned him like the way I saw a lot of, you know, family members. The first thing I did and a lot of people that I grew up with was the first thing I noticed was unresolved dreams. I mean, I forget. I think it's the movie, The Bronx Tale, that says there's nothing worse than wasted talent. Right. I think that I think that's the movie that says it. But um, what it is, is that a lot of people especially in today, don't explore what they really want to do, but they have it burning like inside of them every day. And in those quiet moments, you know, whether it be when they're in the shower or whether it be right before they fall asleep or whether it be when they go for a walk, they're thinking about it. It overrides everything they're thinking about, but they never go for it. What I found is that with Yusuf uh, was he wanted to be someone else but he was under Khalil. He was he was obl- obligated to get his mom a better life. He wasn't being who he truly wanted to be. And she gave him like a moment to be himself. And for me, it was all, it all uh, culminated in that one scene when they're at that apartment that he's showing her that he wants to buy. And he has this human moment with her. And she allows him to not be the aggressive hard, you know, uh, criminal in a way. And I think that we all want that in our lives. We want to, we want to chase what we want. We know life is a blank, right? We know it's over fast. We hear all this shit all day, all day, but we still don't do it because we have so many obligations that we're obligated to. So when I first attacked Yusuf, it was like, this is a guy who has obligations and he's not He's not chasing his dream of what who he wants to be. And that creates a shyness. So every time she unearths something in him, it's going to give him a little more personality to her. And again, at the end of the day, in this game of acting, it every single thing you do is about the person you're across. Aubrey and I, from the second we spoke, it was like, oh okay, we're supposed to do this. It's supposed to be me and you. And we're supposed to have this. And we're both very honest. We're both very upfront. We we don't suffer fools lightly. We have no time for nonsense. We want to live our lives. We want to like be great at this. We want to do our best and we don't care about anything else. Like this is it, right? It's our families. It's our, it's our spouses. It's our animals. And it's that, right? And like, that's what we want to do. So we knew right away we were on the same page. So that gave us a trust, not just in Aubrey and Theo, but in Yusuf and Emily. And I think that that is why it worked personally. I feel like you do so much with your eyes. Like it's almost, 
it's almost like you know people say we like jazz you know it's 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 what happens to the space between the notes and there's so many moments there where i'm just looking at you and, and nothing's being said but everything is being said you know it's yeah my favorite and again as someone who watches so much stuff and you know especially from you know 1980 and under it's like my favorite stuff is when people aren't talking you know you can watch performances like again one of my we just so happened to name one of the baby goats that was just born betty davis for a reason i mean betty davis is like someone you know claude rains uh, even to go newer age actors right like you know obviously the greats but you know uh joaquin does it there's certain people that just they, they don't need to say a word and they're they're doing everything and sometimes words get in the way and um i've been way more fascinated over my career by people who can do it by looks and by mood and by movement because you know I think everybody talks too much, to be honest. <laughs> We're in a society that talks too much. <laughs> As we say on this interview here. <laughs> we We're self-aware. It's fine. Um, you know, it's, and, and for the, the chatter we had before the interview and, and, and you talking about, you know, being mm. a fan of, of 80s and oh stuff my God. before, I, I did want to ask, you're now also part of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. What's that experience like? Because just knowing that history, right? So when I tell you that I'm, you know, living in a different time, you know, they say born too late in a world too old is, um, I mean, just to give you an idea of how bonkers I might be. I, in my, whenever I have a spare moment, you know, I have two little kids and, you know, again, we have tons and tons of animals here. So I'm basically uh, just cleaning up chicken and goat shit all day. But when I'm not doing that, um, I watch on YouTube. I don't know if anybody knows about this, but you can like pick certain years and watch uh, like four hours straight of commercials mm -hmm. from oh, those years. I've done it. So I do it all day. I like it's it's I visually like to see it, but if I can't, I'll just listen to it in my headphones as opposed to music. And I'll pick a year, 86. 88, 91, 93. And then I'll take it a step further is on Saturday mornings, because I really want, I have two sons, five and seven. They're amazing. Uh, Kane and Arlo, or as they call themselves, the Wolf Kings is um, they, what we do on Saturday is on YouTube. You can pull up like say 1993 Saturday morning cartoons with commercials. And it would be like all of it from a certain station. And that's what we do. They watch Saturday morning cartoons from the throwback era. And the, the best part for them to watching it is the commercials. They'll see like mad balls. They're obsessed with mad balls now and like, and garbage pail kids and, and like, you know, all this stuff. Oh God, don't show them the movie. No, garbage show them the movie. That thing will scar them for life. <laughs> um, but they love doing that. So the reason is when I got, when I got uh tales of the Jedi, my buddy was directing the episode of, and he told me, you know, hey, you want to do this? I said, say less, as the kids say. I said, say no more. I'll be there wherever. I don't care what I'm playing. And obviously it was Senator Larkin with Dooku and uh, Mace Windu. And I was like, I don't get to see the animation when I'm doing it. I just do the voice. Um, and then he sent me um, the animation when it was done. And just to be in there. Now, I have a lot of issues with Star Wars as of late. 
But like we all do, right? If you're a fan of it, as you do, um, especially if you're a kid who grew up, you know, with the originals, makes me really appreciate the prequels, by the way. Um, but all that being <laughs> said, the the Tales of the Jedi is so cool because again, we go in, it's like a behind the music. It's like we were talking about earlier. You go into like, oh, the before. I've always been really intrigued by when we know a character and then the mythology of them, especially pre's. How did this happen? You know, what was Luke like on Tatooine before? You know, even if it's just his daily, like, did he work out? What did he do? Like, you know, that, so to be a part of that was uh, was really cool. And, I, you know, it was the same thing when we did Luke Cage and, you know, to be in the Marvel thing and, you know, and Sons kind of created its own like graphic novel world. I think that um, I love that stuff because it's what I, like I just said with my kids and with me, it's what. I respond to as here we are 30 years later, you know, whatever it is, I still respond to that stuff. So I'm very curious if there's anything that in 30 years will hold that test of time. Well, that's a, uh, I, I love talking about this because, you know, to, to, to be a fan of lost things, especially lost media, like yeah. I've done the YouTube thing you're talking about. I'm, geez, I'm sitting next to a complete box set that I just bought from eBay of National Geographic every issue on CD-ROM. CD-ROM, by the way. Amazing. It's a, yeah. amazing. And again, that's media that, you know, will, if we can't find it, and, and, and again, people would go, so what's the big deal? You'll find it. No, no, if you can't find it, if someone didn't copy it to YouTube, if someone did it, like I was just watching there was an old video footage of Babe Ruth taking batting practice. And I was like, wow, this is fantastic, right? Like that someone has this. And again, YouTube is a place where you can find some stuff, but there's also stuff you might not find from your childhood that you kind of remembered. So having those physically somewhere is really impressive. And I do that with, uh, I have all these old magazines from like seventies and eighties, all different kinds. And when I'm reading them, I'm not necessarily reading them for, what was in the articles it's more for the ads the ads um, yeah yeah i'm like what a ford focus was 2100 dollars. i'm like fully loaded you know or like the hi-fi system where they had these giant speakers and giant. so again it's more of like because things never really change they just kind of morph a little it's everything it's always the same the human condition is the same thing so if you know kind of where you come from you kind of know where you're going and I think that that to me is like so fascinating with Hollywood as an example is there's so many young artists that don't watch like golden age stuff or, you know, 70s new Hollywood stuff or whatever. And I think that it, it's their choice. Anybody can do what they want, you know, whatever, whatever gets you through the day. But I also think they're robbing themselves of kind of um, people that have been there and done that. And you're looking at it, it's the same thing. It's the same great performance. You know, you can watch. Kate Blanchett and Tar, and then you can watch Jenna Rollins and a woman, woman under the influence and go, oh, got it. I see. I see. And this is 40 years later. I see. And I think that there's just something to that. And again, as having like basically a lab experiment, my five and seven-year-old boys who respond to Ghostbusters more than they respond to stuff now, why? Ghostbusters 1984, right? Why are they responding to this film that's 40 years ago more than stuff that's now? There's something in there that's getting them to want to watch it over and over and over again. 
So I think I think that for me, I think I'm such a student of the past because it gives you all the answers to the future. I love knowing that. And I love knowing that you even bring that to your characters. Oh, it's the way I start with everything. I mean, one of the first things I do in any character, like literally one of the first things, I don't know if it's a secret or not, but who cares? Nobody ever told me anything when I was young. So if anybody can benefit from it, great. Um, is I think, what's their age? And then I go, okay, this is their age. So the most influence we are, just from what I've learned from psychologists, is from the age of 14 to 24. That's the music we listen to for the rest of our lives. It's kind of the way we kind of want to dress if it's acceptable. We try to find it's our main source of entertainment, 14 to like 24, maybe 15 to 25, depending on where you grew up. And you use that. So I'll go back and go, okay, he's this age. So he probably listened to new metal. Or he probably listened to, you know, he was listening to this kind of music. And then I'll create that playlist. And then for the duration of the shoot, I'm only listening to that music. I'm only watching TV from that time. I'm only watching, because that's going to craft who the person is. And I, it's the only way I know how to do it. I have to do it like that. Because I know that for me, at my age, I'm a direct reflection of who I was from 15 to 25, that shaped who I was. It shaped the cars I liked, the music I liked, the food I liked, everything. So it's like, I have to do that. And it keeps me connected to the past because it alerts my future. Well, it's obviously made a difference. And I mean, that's um, Emily the Criminal, another, like I said, fantastic thing that you've done here. Uh, Theo, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. I, I would love to nerd out with you for a few more hours on the past. <laughs> Hopefully yeah. we can do that sometime in the future. Thank you, man. I appreciate it so much. And um, it was really great to meet you. And I appreciate the time and enjoy your day. And my thanks, Theo Rossi, Emily the Criminal, playing now on Netflix. Thanks to you for checking out the episode. Do hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. Again, I do three interviews a week. So if you like this one, uh, you'll get a brand new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You just hit the subscribe button at all your uh, any of your favorite spots, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podchaser, NPR, WFPK.org, or, of course, YouTube for the video versions. Uh, then after that, head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. Song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews, Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots. That's uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all three of them. The address is at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consequence Podcast Network. Got to be an arm's distance from a flusher. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org, from Louisville Public Media.